0: You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul.
1: And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes.
0: You can find us on Spotify, Apple
2: Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Skate Network.
3: Meanwhile, in New Jersey...
2: So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs... Talk about the blood splatter and, oh, the practical effects. Um, And also the male gaze. My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app.
3: Hey guys, thank you for checking out Horror Movie Night. We are kind of in the middle of revamping the Patreon account a little bit, but we hit 100 episodes. This is episode 101. It is the last episode before our official two-year anniversary, and it is just a couple days away from 4th of July, so that means only one thing. We're not going to get to talk about the 4th of July movie that I wanted to talk about, which is Uncle Sam. (laughs) But we are gonna talk about I know what you did last summer. Uh this was Scott's insistence on avoiding Uncle Sam at all costs.
4: Uh You're welcome, by the way, <laughs> because that movie fucking blows. Oh,
3: because I know what you did last summer was really knocking it out of the park when I was watching it also.
5: Hey guys, can we save this conversation for about three hundred and sixty five days from now? <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, when we watch we when together. we watch I'm Uncle Sam and then make a decision. <laughs> god you know like 13 year old me who watched Uncle Sam and was like nonplussed is just screaming inside my body right now like no don't make me do this again <laughs> yeah but sometimes sometimes the
3: movie that you hated as a kid you watch as an adult and you're like oh, that was fun I mean Uncle Sam's most certainly not gonna be that Uncle Sam's yeah, a pile of shit hey
5: guys we should we should probably roll that intro <laughs> <laughs>
3: So here we go. Uh, we're we're going to talk about I know what you did the last summer. It's a film that a couple weeks ago we talked about American Werewolf in Paris and how that was like one of those films that pretty much every horror fan in their like early early thirties late twenties saw. Um, this is definitively one of the horror movies if you were in your, <laughs> your late twenties early thirties right now saw. So, uh, it was kind of unavoidable. I'm pretty sure it was the first. Like scream, like continuation of the scream uh, explosion. Um,
4: well, I mean, Kevin Williamson wrote it, right? Yeah, he actually wrote it before Scream. This was his Which first. Which well, explains why it's
3: awful. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> well, and it's based on a on a Lewis Duncan book or something like that. But she's like completely uh, uh, like
5: abandoned this project. Does not uh want I guess anything the book to do with it it was like a mystery it was a mystery thriller and they turned the movie into like a total just slasher which yeah. i guess she was not very happy with.
3: apparently according to imdb she was really not happy that it was turned into a slasher cuz her da- daughter was murdered a few years earlier oh uh, fuck so like not exactly the genre she wanted her writing to go into i believe um oh, then uh, had- people die in the book though like <laughs> whatever
5: Oh my god. <laughs> so Holy shit. Uh
3: so this movie kicks off with a cover that could only exist in nineteen ninety seven, which is typo negative covering Summer Breeze.
4: Are you saying that it could only exist in nineteen ninety seven because Michael Steele's dead?
3: Well no, I was saying it could only or exist in nineteen ninety seven because that was that, that hot hot spot in typo negative's career where they had a couple
4: songs on the radio. Um Yeah, but here okay, here's the thing. Best soundtrack of late '90s horror, right here. I don't know. I was. I'm
3: still pushing for America Mary- Werewolf
4: in Paris. <laughs> Says the guy <laughs> who even shared with the group "Smooth Diamonds." <laughs> even uh, saying is embarrassing.
3: God. <laughs> Smooth Diamond seems like someone who
5: would have been at that party that Flavor Flav held in season two of Flavor of Love. <laughs> yeah, the one girl in that show had a speech impediment, and that's how she would say Smooth Diamond if she was the same. Um, so I absolutely
3: forgot about the first like minute of this movie. I have no memory whatsoever of this guy sitting on the rocks
5: at all. Uh, here's here's what I remembered of the movie. The line, um, if you're going to leave someone for dead, make sure they're actually dead. And that was the only thing that I remembered from this movie. <laughs> so I managed to spoil the ending for myself while completely <laughs> forgetting
3: everything else that happened. Yeah, I, I absolutely, I think I wrote that down. Yeah, one of my notes says, I genuinely forget who the killer is in this movie. <laughs> um. So like I I was like sitting there like yeah yeah it's that kid from the beginning he's the one that they hit right and like uh, just kind of was thrown off by all of that so you know we hear this sweet cover of Summer Breeze from that a voice that only Michael Steele can produce and
4: I think it's Peter Steele I said it wrong sorry. Oh, sorry. Breeze, me <laughs> uh, but I just have to admit to you guys that that was one of my favorite songs to play when I discovered drop D tuning on guitar. <laughs> I uh, believe that. Do you remember yeah, yeah.
3: that typo negative song, My Girlfriend's Girlfriend? Because that's the only other song by them I know. <laughs>
4: yeah. Who doesn't remember My Girlfriend's Girlfriend? Uh, that, that song was very confusing to uh, 12-year-old me. I think I was about 12 when I first heard that song because I was like... How does his girlfriend have a girlfriend? Is he talking about her friend? Wow, our, our I was buddy. so sheltered. <laughs> like
3: my I girlfriend's don't know, I watched a lot This soundtrack, I, I will say, this soundtrack does have a lot of good tracks on it though. Because um, it does have that sweet cover of Hush. And the Wait, next
4: is Hush a cover?
3: Yeah. It's a it's a song from Deep Purple from like the sixties or seventies.
4: Oh, Because okay, that 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 Kula Shaker song rules. Yeah. Uh I mean, you know Matt Kelly loves the shit out of the soundtrack because there's a corn B-side on it.
3: Yeah, well, you know what my favorite song on the soundtrack is, is what comes up next in the movie, Southern Culture on the Skids, doing my yes, Baby's Got the dude, Cr- yes. Strangest Ways. Dude, that band was the shit.
4: <laughs> yeah, that band was amazing. And, and they actually appear
3: sports. in the movie. I forgot yes, that they're in loving- it.
4: Yeah, I forgot that, too. The best part about that is everybody's singing along with Southern Culture on the skids. It really breaks my suspension of disbelief because <laughs> no one fucking knew who they were. Unless they were playing Camel Walk. <laughs> no, um, this was a much bigger song than that.
3: Uh, they were big enough that Weird Al did a style parody of them on one of his newer albums, <laughs> which shows how, Al. with the times Al's been lately. Yeah, I was about to say, Al's really digging the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> For he's going for those deep, deep cuts. <laughs> so uh, we see this dude. He's sitting on a on a like cliff face, staring down at the ocean, and he's like just staring at like a necklace thing. And then all of a sudden, there's fireworks, and we're seeing Sarah Michelle Geller win like a beauty contest. And immediately, we're reminded how 90s
4: this cast is. Um, oh my God, this cast is. It makes my life. I fucking love this cast. It's so. As bad as this movie is, I will defend this movie and my quasi-picking of it, because it is thoroughly entertaining. Uh, it's, It's trash. Like, I know this movie's trash, but, I mean, you got Jennifer Love Hewitt, we got uh Sarah Jess or Sarah Michelle Geller and we got Freddie Prinze Jr. We got Ryan Philippi. Who's the worst got- of the four?
3: He is the worst <laughs> actor of the
5: four and his character is annoying as fuck. But well, uh, everything I, he does in this movie is stupid and makes no sense and he can go right to help. Yeah.
4: <laughs> but the thing is is that the best part about it is that this was it predates cruel intentions by two years. It's like Bizarro Sarah Michelle Geller and Ryan Philippi where they actually have sex. Um, which was blowing my mind when I was watching it. Um, but I love how Jennifer Love Hewitt is this goody-goody survivor girl in this, but they keep commenting about how gigantic her tits are. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm sorry. They, they, they're they talking about Sarah Michelle Geller's boobs. And I'm like, Jennifer Love Hewitt's right fucking there and the boobs are twice as big. <laughs> also, for being the goody-goody survivor girl, she picks the most ludicrous outfits that absolutely show off her figure. Um.
3: So I do have a note Uh. As you're, since you're bringing it up anyway. But it says, um, how and why did we allow overalls to be accepta- acceptable yes, on 18-year-olds? <laughs> like, what the hell were we thinking in 1997? Because it's not just this movie. It was in a lot of things circa this time. Like, I'm pretty sure Allison Hannigan wore overalls through, like, the first
5: four seasons of Buffy. Uh, I,
3: I
0: have yeah, uh, a couple was,
5: pictures. Was, I I have a couple pictures of me in 1997 wearing overalls. Yeah,
4: because Adam's a decade younger than me. You were like fucking six when this movie came out.
5: Yeah, I know. So it was appropriate and cute that I was doing overalls. I don't know why anybody else was doing it.
4: Hi, I'm cute little baby Adam pre-trauma. Look at my cute Oshkosh Bagosh overalls and my rosy cheeks. Um. So,
3: so I have to say also, uh, I um, this isn't. I'm not going to really bring this up as what did I watch this week but this week I also watched the movie Down to You featuring Freddie Prince Jr. and uh, nice. I gotta say I forgot that dude is charming as fuck like he, he is, is like he is just so charming in every movie and I completely forgot about it and like I don't know what happened to him like he got married to Sarah Michelle Geller, he wrote for the WWE for a couple of years and then he disappeared off the planet and I think that that's really weird
4: well, I mean, it's probably for the best because Hollywood chews you up and spits you out. Um, but, I, you know, like I I told this story on the group. I'd like to re, uh, rehash it here. Uh, I saw this movie, I want to say January or February of uh, 1998, actually, because it came out. I think it came out fall of 1997, which makes no sense. Or maybe it was it maybe it was July, but that doesn't make it doesn't seem like I would have missed seeing this before uh, before the spring of 1998, but that was the spring of my freshman year of high school. And uh, <laughs> this show... So if anybody doubts my horror pedigree, this is my gigantic fuck you to them. Um, I saw Scream when I was in 8th grade when it was new and was so obsessed with it that I was hell-bent on growing my hair out like ske- Skeetal Rich. Alright? Yeah. And then and so I've got, like, this parted-down-the-middle awful bullshit that I'm trying to grow out to my shoulders so that I can slick it back. It was a terrible decision. Uh, my hair is far too thick and far too wavy to get the skeet Ulrich Billy Loomis um, pull, like, comb back. So uh, I'm like, okay, fuck that. I just watched – I know it did last summer, and I can't grow my hair any longer without going insane. I'm going to cut my hair like Freddie Prince Jr., and I kept that hair like that for the rest of high school and most of college, like I had the spiky hair with the short sides.
3: Oh, I've seen all the pictures to
4: this movie. You yeah.
3: still occasionally wear that hairstyle,
4: Scott? No, my hair is very way longer now. I mean, like I, I do the Kaiser Wilhelm thing, <laughs> uh, but just I just wanted to point out the fact that I've been so painfully influenced by horror movies for my entire life.
5: <laughs> um, <laughs> for better, but mostly mostly for worse. <laughs> sounds
4: Are you trying to say that those haircuts didn't get me laid?
5: I'm trying to say you post the pictures of you with that haircut, and I'll post the pictures of me in the Oshkosh-Bagosh <laughs> fucking overalls, okay? Uh, don't
4: tempt me, brah. Uh,
3: so... <laughs> Let's talk about the movie again.
4: Um, so, are, are we actually supposed to talk about the movie? Yeah, so, so,
3: the, so they get drunk. Well, Ryan Phillippe gets drunk. Freddy Jr. is trying to drive Ryan's car. Uh, he spills a bunch of booze all over the place. And they hit someone in the middle of the road. And this dude fucking rolls up the car and smashes in the Ryan Phillippe's face. And he looks still fairly
5: unscathed from it, which is fucking mind-blowing. Can can you imagine getting hit doing 60 60 miles an hour by a 220-pound man? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then they uh,
3: decide that they've killed the guy, and they're going to dump the carcass in the uh, nearby water, and the dude's still alive, and then as he falls to the bottom of the water, he grabs Sarah Michelle Gellar's crown, so they have to go back in and get that out of his hand because it's obviously evidence that they're the ones that dumped him. And cool as a cucumber, this guy is just eyes open, just chilling at the bottom of the ocean.
4: <laughs> um, that is that is equally the best and worst part of this film. I would I would argue. Um, you missed one little, just tiny little detail that I wanted to point out. Um, Tommy Galecki. <laughs> Uh so the, did you catch the name of the beach that oh, Jennifer? Dawson's loves beach? Yes. <laughs> God
3: uh, Yeah, I noticed that too. <laughs> um so then we jump a year in advance. They've made an agreement that they will never speak of this again. Um and Jennifer Love
5: kidding. You, you you forgot the fact that Johnny Johnny Galecki simply drives by the accident, which apparently warrants his vicious murder later in the movie. <laughs>
4: Actually, of everyone that gets killed, I think he's the only innocent person. Honestly, like everybody else that dies is complicit, at least, if not an antagonist to the deceased. So, but then, poor little, like, I'm trying to figure out what the, I'm trying to come up with a name for the archetype for that character. But he's just kind of like this weird loser, Um, just kind of this friend-zoned Jennifer Love Hewitt. I believe, bang,
3: I... I believe his name is Short-Lived Red Herring is his uh, <laughs> name in the movie. Um, <laughs> uh, Adam that just a lot. <laughs> so it's like heavily implied that Boston's fairly far away from where Jennifer Love Hewitt is going, uh, lives. They never really established – where do they live? Like have they established where Dawson's Beach is? is like what state or whatever i
4: honestly assumed it was all in massachusetts because kevin williamson can't write himself out of a box except for when he wrote scream
3: okay just check because i was like man like if they're implying that like she's going to this college that's so far away that like her and freddie prince jr can't deal with the distance like where the fuck is her roommate going that she can just like drop her off on her way home for the summer
4: Okay, here's here's the thing, Matt. Um, I don't know if you had a high school girlfriend that you like had to get broken up with. You're look who you're talking life. to. I I didn't even <laughs> I have a
3: college more... girlfriend that I had to break up with. Let's
4: keep on moving. <clears throat> <laughs> Jesus. Oh man, it's brutal. Um more brutal than a fish hook through the neck. Uh <laughs> so I did. Um I had my heart ripped out of my chest by my high school girlfriend. I mean, it was, it was a nothing relationship, but that's the thing, is like none of these relationships fucking matter at the time. They seem like they're the be-all, end-all. So um, my guess is that she went to a college that was like an hour away and used it as an excuse to get away from Freddie Prince Jr. One, because she was like, well, he was a really shitty lay because they were both versions. But second of all, because, you know, the whole we killed a man together thing.
3: Yeah, I mean I get that that's a bigger portion of it But even before they've killed a man together uh, She's already like Yeah, it sucks that we have to go away <laughs> like, um, So they come back They're all back for the summer uh, Most of their lives sort of didn't ever leave Yeah, I was going to say Most of their lives didn't really pan out too well uh, And immediately Jennifer Love Hewitt is receiving The uh, title card to the movie in the mail And that's when they Immediately suspect uh, the kid from Roseanne and Big Bang Theory, and that's when he gets a hook to the face, which is probably the best death in the movie because it is fucking brutal. It's the most brutal death in this movie. Uh,
4: I agree, but I I feel the. I mean, I guess I feel bad for him, but I I I really think that, and this is super funny in like if you think about it, that the best actual death, like not just the the kill, but the actual death scene, is Sarah Michelle Geller. So they knew that she had the chops because she's, I'm assuming she'd been on Buffy for at least a couple seasons by the time this movie was filming, uh, at least all season. Um, and, and so they were like, okay, you know, we didn't put you as a survivor girl, but we're going to give you the best death that goes on for seven minutes. I feel like that's that's her. I
3: feel like that was her horror movie MO though, was that she was like a television survivor girl and like, Always died in all the other movies because she also dies in Scream 2.
4: But Scream two is super meta, so I don't even count her death as like a. I don't know. All right, as, as, I, don't, I don't count it. So, uh, but yeah, I, I feel I feel the most empathy for her death. But you're right, the the fish hook through the face, getting pulled across. Well, also, like how you know we have this conversation whenever we watch a fucking slasher flick. You know the slashers. The, the killers and slasher flicks have to clean up everything so that nobody catches them as they're going on their murder spree that that spans days or weeks or fucking years. Yeah. And no one can find them because, you know, and no, there is no such thing as a forensic investigator in these towns. But, like, he dragged that poor man's face across a hot chum tub— and put blood all over everything. Did he come back? He's like wiping it down in his gigantic um, uh, suit. Black rain slicker? Yeah.
3: Well, yeah. he also he also held on to the body for a couple days so that he could stash it in a trunk, <laughs> and then immediately yeah, and then steal how it he back it
4: out of the trunk <laughs> and all those crabs. Like he, I know that this. And, and when easier. they come back.
5: When, when they came back, the trunk wasn't even wet or, like, anything. It looked like nothing had ever been in that trunk.
4: Yeah, You know, I know that these are... It's because they're trying to, like, make commentary about horror trope, slasher movie tropes in this because Kevin Williamson can't contain his boner long enough to tell a good story. It has to be a meta story. Um, but it really is annoying in this film. I mean, I enjoy this movie because I watched it when I was at a formative age. Like, I enjoyed the hell out of re-watching it. I probably enjoyed it more this time than the three or four other times I've watched it in my life because I'm more nostalgic now for the times when my hair wasn't falling out. So I don't know. I, I'm not a good objective person to be having a conversation with about I Know It Did Last Summer because I had a blast watching it even though I know it's just shit. Yeah.
3: No, and it's I, I even have a note where I said like this movie is slower than I remember it. Like it has these moments, and then there is just fucking filler. No. And that yeah. and that filler is called hanging out with Anne Hae as she drops information like it's nothing time because like
4: yeah, <laughs> his exposition.
5: Yeah, like she his exposition that goes nowhere and means nothing to the rest of the plot of the movie though. Yeah, yeah,
4: it's just another red herring.
3: But she's just there. She's literally there dropping information, not knowing she's being... Like, she doesn't realize that she's being interrogated by these girls, and she's dropping information like she's been being interrogated for, like, a decade.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, just don't hurt me any longer, please. (laughs) Yeah, like, she's
3: just like, like, okay, your brother dies, right? Unexpectedly, and... You uh, have two random strangers come to your house and, like, make a vague comment about maybe remembering your brother's one friend. And then you're just like, well, there was that guy, Joe. Him and I were lovers for a while. He got scared of me. He ran off. Also, my brother committed suicide. He wasn't murdered. Anyway, T... (laughs) (laughs)
4: <laughs> like, <laughs> that's like, not a bad impression of why what happens in this film but here's the thing um and I, I know i'm jumping forward a little bit here but really this movie doesn't even care about pacing so why should we um so freddie prince jr was billy blue right yes he was He's billy yeah. blue okay yeah i i just wanted to confirm that so am i to like based on matt's watching of this film and i'm not arguing the truth of this i just want veracity here Freddie Prinze Jr. fucked Anne Hache. At some yeah, point, that's yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking about that last night too. You kill
5: her brother, or supposedly think that you killed her brother, come there on a guilt trip, feeling bad about doing it, and then bang his sister, and then leave his sister high and dry, who who seems to remember him fondly, as if she would have liked the relationship to keep going, but it never did. You know, it's the craziest thing, though. That's such a
3: non-plot point that it is never even mentioned in the seven paragraphs of plot on the Wikipedia page.
4: So uh, here's another question that I have about the ridiculous plot here. Uh, did, you guys, did you guys get this weird vibe that Freddie Prince Jr. is supposed to be another red herring in this where he's like, I just want us to be together. and then, and, and it sets it up like he's going to be the killer.
5: Yeah, but then no, oh, it one hundred percent is that is that is fully written in because later on when she sees him on the boat, it says baby or whatever Billy Blue on the side of the boat, and and then she begins begins running away from him. So for about forty five seconds, he is full on. We're supposed to think he's the killer.
4: It's so dumb. Like how does Kevin Williamson go from Scream to this? And I rem- I specifically remember being so nonplussed with this shit back in. 97 98 when i saw it nothing no one has any
3: any i got i got no insight on that all right
5: well uh, well well, he went from this to screen because he wrote this first so he was obviously perfecting his his art i I guess this was a real like learning ground for him where he's like oh wow what a what a piece of shit i made back there
0: (laughs) i could
4: do a lot
5: better than that
4: yeah but then he did teaching mrs tingle which is even worse
3: yeah, Teaching Mrs. Tingle is pretty – also based on the same author's book, which you think if she was disappointed by what he did with I Know What You Did Last Summer, she'd be like, stay the fuck away from my other books.
4: Uh, she needed that cash, man.
3: Uh, so, um, I have one last note, uh, because after uh, – around this point is when the movie really started to just, uh, piece itself to get like it just comes there's not much to say they reveal who the killer is and that's it but uh i was watching this on saturday i was getting ready for a wedding my brother had flown in so he was watching it with me in the living room and the parade scene happens where sarah michelle geller is on the parade float and she sees the slicker and she points it out to ryan Philippi and he starts running and as the scene's happening my brother just goes oh god this scene makes me so sad and i'm like why and he goes because this old man, like, could they have gotten a sadder, more scared old man for this guy to tackle? And like, it's true. And, like, I never thought about it. And then he tackles him. And, God, that dude just looks like he's pissed his pants. Like, it is so unfortunately sad. I
4: think sad. that's the point, though. I'm uh. pretty sure that was the point they were trying to make, was, like, these people are awful and deserve to die.
3: Um, But, yeah, that's all I've really got. Uh, left to say on this one uh, they, you know, plot line wise they figure out that the killer is, was it Ben Wallace, Willis? Ben Willis? And he uh, essentially, uh, he killed the person who they thought that they killed uh, because he had been in a car, there was like a car accident and his daughter died so this was a revenge killing a year later and then they hit him with the car but he wasn't dead yet so now he's Seeking vengeance on them. Which, side note, like, fucking stupid idea. You've you've got people who are literally covering up your
5: murder for you. Like,
4: why yeah, would you... Yeah, then you're and then you like... Yeah,
5: like, at, <laughs> at the end, he's like, oh, what, you, you think it's okay? You think you could just get away with murder? And it's like, well... You did. Why couldn't we <laughs> yes. fuck this <you> guy? <laughs> we're, we're judgmental. That's not only exactly did they, what you did. <laughs> they got away with murder, and we're
3: covering up his murder. He should be beyond thankful and never interfere with their life, so that he continues <sighs> to be scot free in this situation. Um, and this is one of those fucking franchises. Did fucking did Kevin Ke- Kevin Williams write the sequel? Because it has the same shit that Scream sequels have, where it's like the killer is the son of Ben <laughs> Willis, like. Fucking! Are you kidding me? This is bullshit. <laughs> it's
4: so um, I don't know if he if he wrote the sequel, but um, it was so bad that I would not be surprised. So I only have one actual relevant comment that we haven't kind of touched on. Uh, well. You missed one super sweet song in the in the soundtrack. The Offsprings uh, song, uh, D.U.I.
3: Yeah, D.U.I. Yeah, is a pretty I,
4: great that, that song rules. Uh, but also, this is a better boat chase uh, than Jason Takes Manhattan. So this movie does have something going for it.
3: I won't take that away from it. It's not the best <laughs> song that's ever well, been just, on a horror soundtrack by The Offspring, though. Uh, that will go no, to Idle Hands.
4: <laughs> right, Idle Hands, uh, Beheaded. But also, um, on the Idle Hands soundtrack... I'm pretty sure that the offspring and this is a funny joke that I think that you and I had a conversation about years ago in Reddit Horror Club. club. Uh, so in idle hands, Dexter Holland and the rest of the offspring are playing the school dance because that makes sense that you'd invite a punk band to play your fucking school dance. Uh, so they, they do a cover of um, they do a cover of I want to be sedated because, you know, I have to have a Ramones cover in there. And then they do beheaded, and then the possessed hand comes and rips Dexter Holland's forehead off. He's wearing an AFI t-shirt, and on the soundtrack for Idle Hands, Dexter Holland did a co- did a The Offspring did a cover of Total Immortal by AFI that was on the All Hallow's EP, which is super weird and funny. But it also makes a whole lot of sense because Dexter Holland—I don't know if he owned Nitro Records at the time, but he eventually owned Nitro Records, which three or four of the good AFI records were released on Nitro Records, and Dexter Holland did backup vocals on like four songs on Black Sails and the Sunset, which is AFI's arguably their best record. So I just wanted to say all those things about AFI and Dexter Holland, but no, I would argue that their cover of AFI... Is a better song from a horror <laughs> soundtrack than "Beheaded." Oh, done.
5: All right. Well then. Um. Last. Last thing that I want to mention about this movie. Um. Well, two things. And I, one is this. <clears throat> At the end of the movie, the last line from the killer is, "If you're going to." Uh, if you're going to leave somebody for dead at least make sure that they're dead and then he immediately gets his hand cut off and thrown off the boat and nobody ever finds him no we don't see the killer again for the rest (laughs) of the movie so it just sets it up for the sequel yeah thank you sequel also uh speaking of the sequel are we ever gonna do that Uh, because i do have a little song i do have a little song
4: written here uh about the sequel (laughs) oh (laughs) jesus
3: christ let's let's hear it go for it i was
4: want to say let's go under the auspice that we've put ourselves through enough pain by watching i know what you did last summer we don't need to watch i know i still know what you did last summer even though it's in the bahamas
5: yeah um all right so so here is a uh a little song i wrote about i know what you did last i i still know what you did last summer um, written from the perspective of Freddie Prince Jr., who is a complete asshat that whole movie, and only cares about one thing. Um, Alright, so... Here's a little clam I baked. You might want to eat it for the expiration date. Please, Julie. Come with me. Yeah, all your friends are dead in town. But it really means still see you around. <laughs>
3: Oh no can you not hear me? I can no, hear you I'm clear as day.
4: Oh, okay did I ruin Adam's take Did you have to retake it
3: No I think that was good enough
5: <laughs> Please Julie Come with me Please Julie come with me now <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Jesus But what Christ. about the clamping
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: What about the fireworks Factory <laughs> You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul.
1: And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes.
0: You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Meanwhile, in New Jersey...
2: So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil in horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter... And, oh, the practical effects. Um, and also the male gaze. My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app.
3: Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys watch this week?
4: As is tradition, I'll start us off. All right. All right. I got some. I got some shit to talk about here. Let me get my fucking list. Oh my god. So, um, man, I am. I am just way, way ahead of. Uh, of. Our regular schedule, so I'm, I'm going to span a, a good amount of time with all the bullshit that I watched in the last two weeks. But here's the first thing, cooties. Mm-hmm. don't watch it i'm sure matt already, yeah, already I talked. didn't enjoy it either i haven't seen I, it yet uh, so it's on shutter and i the here's the problem with shutter here's the best problem about shutter uh, one problem number 1 they let anybody write reviews but problem number two is that sometimes the reviews are skewed in such a way where I think this movie is going to be good, and therefore I go in with high expectations. Plus, I mean, Elijah Wood did this, I believe it was what he did right after Maniac. And Maniac is one of my all-time favorite horror movies. We've talked about this ad nauseum. Everybody knows it. Um, it's awful. Cooties is awful. It is so annoyingly dumb. And I, I, I sat through it because I had it on as, like, background noise and i never do that with horror movies i am like watching just you know absorbing whatever was going is going on on the screen this movie i like phased in and out of paying attention for the entire hour and 30 minutes which felt like an eternity by the way um it's not funny it's it's not clever It's not entertaining in any way, shape, or form. And I think that the only people that actually truly enjoyed it are teenagers. Sorry, teenagers that may listen to our podcast. I'm sure that there are two of you that may listen to this and be upset, if if any at all. But go watch real horror comedy that actually has a point and good writing. They wasted an entirely capable cast of people on... A bullshit script that goes nowhere, that makes no sense, and is not entertaining. I'm so pissed off that I wasted my time on that movie.
5: And that has been Scott Rogers. Hey, fuck you, millennials. Corner.
4: <laughs> but I'm a millennial. <laughs> <Like> I...
5: <laughs> no,
4: that was my impression of you. You could be a self-hating millennial. That's fine. It's cool. I am a self-hating millennial. Have you seen my haircut? <laughs>
5: You're going for that sexy Stalin look. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm about ready to join you all right. All
3: right, I'll go next. Um, I watched an absolutely awful movie called Ghoulies 4, which...
4: Wait, wait, what's the subtitle for that?
3: There is none. It is just Ghoulies 4. <laughs> um, it is mostly a collection of footage from other Ghoulies movies, Uh. And it involves some type of weird dominatrix-style witch who accidentally brings two jive-talking ghoulies uh, into the world. And they just roam around, making mischief. Um, It's horrendous the fact that this is available on dvd but the only way you can see ghoulies three ghoulies go to college is to buy an eight-pack dvd set is devastating because ghoulies (laughs) three is way better and it has matthew lillard so stay away from ghoulies four but definitely check out ghoulies
4: three ghoulies go to college all right, Adam. I didn't know that Max Lillard was on. It was in part three. I've been putting off watching it because I need to like go find my eight pack. Well, um, I, he's
3: in it in the sense that he's a fret boy who I think has like a line in the movie.
4: It, you just sold it for me. Not, like, <laughs> are there any boobs in it? Uh, I don't remember that much,
3: but I do know that the main villain in this movie is the original Gomez Adams.
4: Oh well. So,
5: yeah. Um, I, let's just run the list. RuPaul's Drag Race, um, American Gods. American Gods is picking up, getting even better every single fucking episode. Um, Silicon Valley is apparently losing TJ Miller next season. I don't even know how you have a fucking show without that guy. He is the comedic relief in that show. Um, I mean, everybody else is pretty funny, too. But I just don't understand how they're planning to do that. Um, and then I also watched a little show... Called VH1's "I Love Money," <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> which which falls on, under the same umbrella as uh, "Flavor of Love" and uh, "Rock of Love" and all that. It's they're bringing back um, former contestants from all these uh, shit VH1 shows and uh, just doing away with the whole premise of finding love and all that bullshit, and making them compete in humiliating tasks for money. So, if you thought VH1 couldn't dig any deeper, man, they found a way. (laughs) But, like,
3: Jesus Christ. Like, it's at that point where you're just like, do you even feel sorry for these people anymore? Because, like, they clearly just want to be famous for the sake of being famous. (laughs) If they've been on enough reality shows. When did I
5: ever... When did I ever have an ounce of sympathy for these people? Uh, Never. Uh, Not it, once. I would I... say in the season... The girl that shit on the floor. No. The, I was the girl say, that shit on the floor, I felt bad for.
3: The girl with bad breath on Flavor of Love, season three, you seem to feel bad that she couldn't get work anymore.
5: <laughs> uh, uh, uh. She was a real bitch on the show, though, but whatever. <laughs>
4: Adam, Adam, you get stuck in a house with fucking flavor flavor. You see how much of a bitch you are. Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. I'd be
5: I'd be eating, I'd be eating shit just so my breath smelled bad so like stay away from
4: me. <laughs> He'd be like, "Ah, reminds me of my home under a bridge." <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, I'm sorry. He's not a troll. troll, he's a gremlin, right?
5: He's a gremlin, he's a golem, he's a troll, he's a a
4: whatever you need him to be. He's, you know that, remember that song, Bitch, from the 90s? (laughs) I'm a troll,
5: I'm a gremlin, I'm a golem, I'm a goblin.
4: (laughs) I'm glad that you guys appreciated that. <laughs> I want us to write that full song now. <laughs> I I will do a lot of demeaning shit to myself for the podcast, but but I honestly won't spend the time to do that.
3: <laughs> well that was I Know What You Did Last Summer from 1997. Uh not really picked by anybody. Uh I guess Scott technically. Anyway No, not technically. Uh Thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys have a great 4th of July if you're from the States. Um, Jesus Christ. Um, And uh, keep your eyes and ears peeled because sometime during the next week you are going to see... Another best of episode dropping, summing up some of our favorite moments over the last year. So keep your ears peeled. Uh, There's plenty of fun stuff going on in that. Uh, Thank you once again for all the people who participated in the Twitter takedown last week. We hope that you guys enjoy the next year just as much as the last two. don't forget to go and rate, review, and subscribe and all of that good stuff. Find us on Facebook. And uh, we have a website now. The website is up and running as of this time, so you guys should absolutely be checking that out because our good guy out there, uh, Stephen, Stephen M. Bay. Yeah, he put a lot of work into building that beautiful site for all y'all. And uh, also, I, I just once again want to give a quick shout-out to uh, one of our biggest fans, Rudy uh, who set up a, a fucking uh, PlayStation Four group for horror movie night fans? So that if you guys are on PlayStation Four, uh, it was specifically based around the Friday the Thirteenth game. But if you're playing the Friday the Thirteenth game and you want to jump in on a game and play with a group of people listening to the podcast and you know make references to episodes towards each other, uh, he's he's made that that page for you. So. <laughs> Uh, go and check that out that's super awesome of him to help us out with that so uh, kudos thank you Rudy for, for that um, you guys got anything else
5: before we wrap this up you you can find us on twitter at HMN podcast you can find me at life is sublime Matt at St. Mort and Scott at Fack and Duke uh, again thank you everybody that participated in the twitter taketown thank you Rudy thank you uh,
4: Stephen and Scotty what about you what you got for us did we – I zoned out for a second thinking about the uh, the outfits of the, the leading ladies And I Know What You Did Last Summer. Did we say what our actual uh, URL is?
3: Uh, I don't have it and – I have it. Uh, oh, wait, wait. For the website or for the yeah. place? Oh, yeah. I think I said it, but you can say it too.
4: It's hmnpodcast.com. So go check it out. As we said, Stephen just – he went above and beyond – All right, guys, thanks for listening.
0: You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire
1: Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes.
0: You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekskate Network.
3: Meanwhile, in New Jersey...
2: So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, ugh oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um... And also the male gaze. My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.